Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Two in the Cooler. If it's your first time listening, don't forget to share the podcast, because if you enjoy it, obviously, your friends are going to enjoy it too. Uh, as always, you can follow us on our socials, Instagram and Twitter, at Two in the Cooler, and subscribe to our YouTube page. We've got clips and full episodes there. Uh, and on Twitter... Uh, That'll also let you vote in our Who Would Win of the Weeks uh, that we do every week, including this one. We've got a pretty good battle, Um, so if you want to have your voice heard, we want to hear from you and see who you think would win. This episode of Two in the Cooler comes to you in affiliation with Instacart. Instacart, like I always say, and it's true, the best way to get your groceries in 2020. I gotta be honest, going to the grocery store can make me a little anxious sometimes and if you are like that as well why not avoid the whole ordeal and use instacart have your groceries delivered right to your door in as little as one hour the instacart employees will pick out for you the freshest produce they'll get you exactly what you want some of your favorite products from some of your favorite local stores Right now, two of the cooler listeners get free delivery on their first order of $35 or more. Just use the link in our show notes and get yourself that deal. On the podcast today, we've got a great guest, Eric Piotrowski. Uh, he is a sports broadcaster. He's a student at Canisius. Uh, he also plays hockey with Matthew. Uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, gosh, I mean, really, uh, really smart guy. I had some really great insight on not just sports, but uh, the world of sports broadcasting. So uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So get into it. Here we go. And we're back here, folks. Coming at you. uh, It's like we never left. Yeah, like we never left. It's only been seven days since the last time you would have been able to hear our voices. So it's really not that long. Well, you can hear them anytime if you. Well, yeah, you can just listen listen to them over and over again. Uh, I feel like I do have a pretty soothing voice. You like see- Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just narrating uh, the what National was- Geographic. <laughs> what I was comparing myself to was the episode of Psych Andy when Gus plays the he does that like yeah, love yeah, radio yeah. show. Um that's more of what I would consider myself. But you know, it can be looked at different ways. Um episode twenty eight here. Um lot going on this week. Uh, very special guest here, um, teammate of mine, friend of mine. Um, Andy just introduced himself to him not too long ago. Uh, Eric Piotrowski. Um, uh, how about you say hello to the folks, Eric? How are you guys doing? Thank you very much for having me on. This is awesome. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Um, I know Andrew is definitely excited too. I know he's got uh, – I kind of informed him a little bit about just some of the stuff you do and showed him your Instagram and stuff like that. So you are a – are, is, are you sports journalism or sports broadcast? What's your actual major at Canisius? So I'm a dual major, uh, sport management and journalism with a concentration in sports broadcasting. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. That sounds yeah, pretty so I never good. Knew, I knew yeah, did not too bad. Double dipping a little bit. Because I've seen you bouncing around that department. Sorry, say yeah, that again? over there, Andy, we had a little technical, yeah, we had a little technical lag. No, that's on, that's on you, man. <laughs> No, Pio said it too. I uh, know we're buffering, but we'll get through it. I was listening to the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Ian Beast one and then uh, Bauer one. And so I guess like technical difficulties just kind of goes along with the brand. You got to just power through it. 
Yeah, we uh, we definitely plowed through yeah. it. Yeah, okay. We've, we've actually um we've been we've been looking into some solutions for it. I'm but, also um, in the for the meantime, I'm also in the bunker of Canisius here in the tunnels, so my Wi-Fi can't be too good. I see you. What do you are you in the wire? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. There? Um. This is the Canisius College Student Radio Station now up and running. Uh. All we're trying to get right now we're trying to get our budget proposal submitted and approved so we can get it back on on air. But yeah, this is right below the dining hall off a of main or off a of Hughes. So not too great with Wi-Fi, yeah. but it is a good setup. No, it's a great setup, and it's funny that you bring that up because I wanted to talk about this, and I'm sure Andy will have some questions, but mine's more of a. Mine has nothing. It's not really a question at all. But when you first started, because you were a big part in kind of reopening the wire, right? right? When, 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 yeah. So when that was going on, I don't know if you remember this, but you had kind of pitched the idea of like, hey, anybody that wants to do like radio yeah. shows or fill up radio airspace, like come to me. And this was long before po- I had uh, even thought about doing the podcast. And Andy came to me with that idea, but um, I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I'll do a radio show. I'll do. I'll, I didn't care if I was talking about sports. I would have sat there and talked to myself for an hour. I didn't care, but uh, I, I would have loved to do a radio show. And I could have had one of those things, Andy. What are they called? Soundboards. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, you would have gotten your soundboard. Yeah, I'm big into. I've been. I've been pushing to uh, get a soundboard for myself for the podcast, yeah. Po. But I don't know if it's in our budget. And I personally, you know, it's definitely not in my personal budget. So I've been waiting for, uh, yeah, maybe an anonymous donor or something like that to step up and buy me a soundboard. We're starting a GoFundMe for Matthew's uh, fart noise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty nice just kind of messing around, potting people up and down. It's fun. It kind of just adds another level to, like, broadcasting. Yeah, and that's something that I think you and Andrew kind of have in common is a big, a lot of that te- technical aspect. Um, whether it be TV or radio, stuff like that. And I know, I don't know how much you guys talked before I hopped on, but that's obviously something that Andrew's really involved in. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious to get more into that. But uh, before we do that, just to check back in real quick, Andy, how have you been since the last time we talked? Uh, pretty, pretty good. It is, you know, I, this is going to be uh, certainly a pretty sports forward episode of the podcast, which is good. Um, but just to give everybody a little taste of where I'm at, I've been consuming uh, D&D content basically nonstop this whole week. So this is definitely, I'm definitely uh, on the other end of the spectrum right now. So I'm kind of ready as for As in Dungeons like, & Dragons? Yeah, as in like Dungeons, Dungeons & Dragons. What, uh, so for the listeners who don't know Peel, I'll let you know this. Andrew and his friends mm-hmm. all, all, like play Dungeons & Dragons quite frequently when, when Andy's home. Like, I'll come home and they'll be in the basement just rolling their 12-sided die or whatever. And uh, So yes. what kind of content have you – are you, are you playing online? Is there a tournament? No, I wish. I have no play? idea how to even do that um, if there is, like, something for that. But uh, I just um, – I f- what was I watching? I watched uh, all of 30 Rock. Like I binged it, I rewatched it. So I needed something I else, like Rock. and I was just kind of floating around. And there's this show by uh, College Humor, and um, it's just you literally. Ju- this is gonna sound so bad, but you just watch people like play D and D. But the you know they're like comedians and stuff, so like it's funny. And uh, yeah, I've just been like watching that basically nonstop. So I'm ready for uh, something on the opposite end <laughs> yeah. of the spectrum. Well, I've never played D&D, but there's a podcast that I frequently listen to. Um, 
and they did, and they're funny. It's a sports podcast, but they did a segment where every like every other Wednesday for a month or a couple months, they brought a dungeon master in. He had a doctorate in Dungeons and Dragons, which I don't know where you get that. Okay, but yeah, I don't. That sounds it. fake. <laughs> and um, they brought him in, and they played they played D and D like on the podcast, and they just pick up like where they left off, and it was fucking hysterical. Like I've, it, it's yeah. definitely because there's a lot of like creative space you know what i mean so if oh, you're yeah. a funny person and you're if you're playing with a group of funny people you could definitely yeah i've never played around but i've seen him on tv like uh stranger things big bang theory it looks unreal because like what you're yeah, saying yeah. i think uh like the one guy kind of creates the way that you go about the game like a game master mm-hmm. if you've got a good guy yeah. that can kind of toss in some jokes or have a great route yeah obviously it makes it so much better but i wish i could have a game maybe yeah. i gotta stop by and roll the die yeah, see see if Andy's around. He'll yeah. die with literally any time. Uh, I'm ready to go. So Andy, now like just briefly because mm-hmm. I don't feel want to talk about this the whole time. But so there is um, you can either make your own story or there's like pre-made like mm-hmm. quests that people have already made, right? Yeah, the company that bought Dungeons and Dragons the 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 IP um a couple years ago. They're called like Wizards of the Coast or something like that. Um, they changed basically everything. They created the uh, the new edition, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, which is one of the reasons that it's started to become you know kind of so popular again and in the mainstream. And it's definitely helped to things like Stranger Things and Big Bang Theory. But this um, fifth edition is like pretty easy to understand and it's uh basically focused entirely on your 20-sided die rolls and they have released a ton of new um campaigns like pre yeah pre-written campaigns um but you can also yeah make make your own um which are is really cool because um you kind of realize like uh you know the the um the pre-written ones that you get, they're all, you know, like medieval and like, you know, and they take place in like that kind of like Lord of the Rings world like yeah. type deal. You know, you're going to like villages and stuff. But um, the game is basically through intention or not structured so that you can play in in, in any circumstances. Like you could, you know, s- write something, you know, a, a homebrew is what they call it. And... Uh, you know, have it set yeah, in space yeah, or have classic. it set, you know, you can have it set in like your, your hometown, right? You can have it set in modern times, anything like that. So that's the thing. There's a lot of like, you know, uh, a lot of things are based on rules, but the fact that you can do anything is where like the humor comes in when you're playing with like a good, yeah. like group of people who kind group of, of people don't take themselves yeah. too seriously. Right. So it can be a lot of fun. Well, I don't see myself ever really creating my own Dungeons and Dragons quest, but I definitely You never know. Uh, Maybe the first one you do, you just get hooked and you just can't stop creating games. Yeah. That's yeah, what that I've seen be, with like a I lot of people. Really. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, have you ever watched Community, Eric? No. The show Community? Excellent, oh, excellent show. show. But Matthew, as you know, they have... One of their big, biggest episodes is the Dungeons and Dragons episode, um, where they play uh, this, you know, campaign called Caverns of Draconis, which is not real. It's made up like for the show, um, 
but uh, that is the one I, I like wrote that out and like made one based on that and it's like based on the show and like um, that's the one I did for my friends so you can do stuff like that um, I think that you might have too much time on your hands however well not anymore that was like that was that when I was in happy, college Andy. so I didn't have anything to do <laughs> <laughs> nice nice classic uh, um, as we side away from the Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move away world. from that, please. <laughs> yeah, let's get more into a little, um, like you were talking about sports wise, because that's a big thing that that's that's a big part of Pio's background. So I know one from knowing him, two if you check out like your social medias and stuff, you could tell you've done a lot of different um, internships. One specifically with the Bisons and a couple different TV like stuff like that. Um, what like t- talk a little bit about that? I know Angela will definitely have some follow up questions, but just to get the ball rolling, kind of what what you do from your major and what opportunities that's brought to you. So Quick far. overview, I guess, of all like the broadcasting stuff I've done was back in high school. I think it was like junior and senior year. I interned with the Bison's as a broadcast assistant. So as like time got on, I was there for three and a half years almost. So each year that I did it, more responsibility kind of got tossed towards me, which I loved. So by the time I was leaving there, I was a pregame host, postgame host of uh, their like pregame and postgame shows on the radio. And I kind of helped with like set up, take the broadcast, did a couple player interviews for the pregame, for the postgame, did uh, midgame interviews with Bobby Meacham, the manager at the time. And then moving into Canisius, I started doing like play-by-play for the men's hockey team, men's uh, a little bit for men's lacrosse. And then that kind of dissolved a little bit and then uh, got an internship with Channel 4 two summers ago, was their sports intern, wrote stories for the news. Uh, They allowed me to kind of stay back one night and the producers weren't too happy. They had to work a little bit of extra overtime, but they allowed me to be in front of the camera, get some reps in. So it's good to have something on my reel in case I want to apply to them next year because I'm a senior currently. But, yeah, it's been unbelievable. All of these opportunities I've had, I just try to take all of it and use it. Yeah, well. And I've, seems... I think I've done a couple of videos for uh, the Canisius club hockey team. They're out there floating around on YouTube. A couple of just random, like, road trip videos. When we went to Utah, took a nice plane trip. Yeah, I remember that. I had a bit of a I, – I believe I had a bit of a – bit of a um yeah you got the interview, interview in there. on that uh, on that on that specific video i remember that yeah i i you put a camera in front of my face i'll talk for hours so, uh. we know yeah that sounds like something worth looking up though we've talked about uh some of the, those hockey road trips on the podcast before um oh yeah, yeah so that sounds like something that uh people might want to check out yeah but, exactly. uh, yeah it, it sounds to me like um you probably should be able to get a job anywhere right out of school. I mean, just talking to you for like a few minutes, you obviously carry yourself in like a good way and you have a good like voice for broadcasting, which is like maybe the most important thing. Thank you. I appreciate it. I have no idea, but um, (laughs) yeah. So I know with the Bisons um, and you did a little uh, radio work with ESPN that involved minor league baseball too, right? Right. So, I can't speak for everybody, I guess, but minor league baseball, not a sport that I think too many people are super, super familiar with. Were you familiar with it when you started doing that work with the Bisons? 
No, not even close. I've actually had some funny stories my first year there. Like, uh, obviously, you kind of keep score. But when you're keeping score, when the batter's up and it's like, oh, let's say he hits like a grounder to short and then he gets thrown out at first. Like, I put like, oh, H hit to SS for shortstop over to first base. And they're like, no, dude, you got to hit it. It's like 6-3 put out for six for uh, shortstop and the three being like uh, for the first base. And it's like a 6-3 put out. Or if it's like a pop-up to center field, it'd be like a P8. So I, I was kind of just lost on how to keep score. But <laughs> eventually I figured it out. Yeah, just a lot of kind of learning as you go. And it's a lot of kind of like hurry up and wait type of work too. But those guys over there were unbelievable. Uh, ben Wagner, who's now the voice of Blue Jays up in Toronto for the radio show, and then Pat Malacaro, who's currently the voice of the Bisons now. Those guys were tremendous. Like I had no business being in a minor league radio booth, a junior, senior in high school, and just kind of botching their show, I'm not going to lie. But they were cool. They were really positive and helped me out and kind of just like pushed along the way. But, yeah, I was lost for the first couple of games. But you learn. Okay, so is that kind of how you approach? Because, you know, to be in your field, you have to have at least a basic knowledge of just about every kind of sport. I'm sure there are ones that you are less familiar with. Um, how do you approach having to do a broadcast about a sport that you maybe don't know as well as, as, some, of, as some of the others? Yeah, hockey is number one. That's the biggest one I've been playing since I can remember. So that kind of came naturally to me as I did color commentating for Nations D1. But, like, I had to do a women's basketball game. I think it was, like, freshman or sophomore year here. I, I'm i not the biggest fan of basketball. I do enjoy watching. I watched, like, the NBA Finals recently. But I didn't know all the fouls, the technical fouls, stuff like that, the, like the nitty-gritty actual basketball fans know. So I bought uh, 2K. And I just had my roommates just rip through games with me one after another after another. And it took forever because every time they would follow, I'm like, wait, like, why? Why is he going to the line now? Why do I get the ball back? So EA Sports really kind of helped me out with my broadcasting skills. That is awesome. That's an answer that I did not expect. But that, yeah, makes, so, that a... makes so much sense. That's such a – I feel like that's such a, a, a smart, more innovative uh, thing than trying to, like, you know – like read a rule book or something like that. Right. Yeah, you get to actually play it and you make your own mistakes so then you kind of learn by what you did. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I've seen Andrew play 2K. He's not very good at it. Uh, so. Neither I'm am I. Good. I'm pretty uh, good. No, I got actually, like 50 so. balled every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. See, but to me, like... The biggest thing hearing you talk about the difference in when you're working with different sports, sports that you're not familiar with, I'm very, I'm very open with the fact that it's not so much that I don't like to step outside of my comfort zone, but things like I just could never see myself like putting my, like I would never, I feel like I would never put myself in a situation where I would have to do something like that that I was unfamiliar with, but that is a negative trait on my side right like the fact that you're willing to do that and just say like you know what? i i'm going to learn as much as i can but at the end of the day i'm going to just be confident enough to step up there and say what i say and so what if i fuck up kind of thing like it's a very good attitude to have going into this stuff because even i mean especially now everything you say whether it's radio tv 
especially with sports, everything's criticized, right. right? Nobody's ever happy with everything that, that everybody says. So you're always going to be wrong in some people's eyes. So that kind of willingness to step up and put yourself in a situation that you're not necessarily 100% familiar with is definitely a positive attribute for you going forward because it's only going to continue to grow the opportunities that that come from your different broadcasting. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah. that same game for women's basketball on ESPN3, I was just kind of like, ah, who's really watching if I mess up? Like, yeah, their parents can be mad at me because I, like, mispronounced their last name. <laughs> and as soon as the broadcast <laughs> is done, I check my phone. I've got a Twitter notification from our old teammate, Sam uh, Burkhart, and he's like, Pio, great job, sort of. And I was just like, uh, I didn't even know people were watching. And I get just kind of flamed by a buddy, but it was good. I had a good time with it. Yeah, Berkey's a weirdo anyway. It doesn't matter. No, nah, he was electric. But yeah, it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of like Matthew yeah. said, you know, a lot of people are obviously passionate about sports. But if you're going to do sports broadcasting and, you know, you go, you go to school, you get a degree in it and stuff like that, you really have – no idea where you might end up as far as, you know, what sport you might end up commentating on for an extended period of time. So there has to be a lot of passion involved with sport in general. Um, I'm sure that's something you experience, but where does that come from for you? I kind of realized that I'm not going to be able to play sports for my entire life. Yeah, there's like kind of beer leagues or men's league, and that's pretty fun, but I don't really want to sit behind a desk and just like churn out paperwork to my boss. Like it'd be kind of cool if they're like, Oh yeah, we need you in Atlanta to call this game or we need you to just do a post game show. Like that's a little bit more exciting of a day to day life for me. But, uh, the big thing about intern with like channel four was I'm trying to stay here in Buffalo. I don't really feel like moving all the way out to like Omaha, but like I will, if I have to, obviously you have to go somewhere lower to get up higher. But if I can just kind of start here, that would be unbelievable. Absolutely. And something that we've talked about a lot uh, on this podcast is the sports fans in Buffalo. Because it really is a – I mean, it's just a sports city. And we've talked a lot about how, you know, thankfully, I feel like the Bills fans are getting a lot more respect now in recent years, in the fan community, um, because it's of time to bring this up, it is okay. Just keep because going. of last just, night's game, yeah. or what? Yeah, because of last night's game. But keep 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 on your thought. Okay, well, I'm talking about the fans and stuff because the fans are like the most passionate. I mean, that's what it looks like for me. And with you, with uh, social media and stuff like. I feel like Barstool probably reposts more stuff from Bills fans than they do fans of any team in basically any sport. For sure. And Buffalo, like, with having such passionate fans, it kind of goes hand-in-hand with, like, them wanting to be the best and be competitive. So if a player messes up, like, it's kind of the reporter's job to ask a hard-hitting question because the fans want to know what the answer is and why, like, say they slowed down or they missed that extra – kick or something like that um so yeah it kind of falls a lot on the reporters too because this entire city is just desperately wanting a championship no matter what sport that kind of brings me to a question in more general that i was curious about is you know as a sports broadcaster and as a guy who's you know interviewed a lot of players 
Um, you know, you see, this was like however many years ago, but you know, like Marshawn Lynch in those like very famous post-game interviews where he obviously didn't want to be there. Do you feel that players have any sort of, uh, you know, responsibility or obligation to give these post-game interviews or whatever? Uh, I definitely think they've got an obligation because like, it's weird to think about it, but like they, their livelihood comes from just playing this game. So your job description is to go out there and contribute and put up points and um, be good for your team. But then there's also an obligation away from the field or the rink that you have to talk to media. You probably have to go out to the community and dedicate some time and, and uh, show your face. But when you're talking with the media, they also teach you what to say and what not to say. So that's when you get all the super uh, like nonchalant quotes like, yeah, full 60 minutes, get the pucks in deep. Yeah, we really got to hit the, mm-hmm. the wideouts better. I think that they just need to be more personal. I think teams need to let them say what they want to say. Like in the NBA, people are becoming more of an individual instead of a team brand. LeBron James can say whatever he wants to. And the Lakers aren't going to be like, no, you can't say that. Like, no. LeBron James, he can kind of almost do what he wants to. If that can continue into every other sport, you'd have such better interviews, especially post-game, where if you ask, uh, like that super famous post-game interview with Allen Iverson, where he's like, we're talking about practice. Ask me about the game. If anybody else says that, they might get some heavier heat because you don't want the spotlight. You want it to make it very neutral. You want to just keep moving on to the next game and not really have it being like a focal point. That's a good point. So it kind of the more players. So you're saying that maybe the more players are willing to do this sort of thing, the more power it's actually going to give them. Yeah, I think it'd be more fun for the sports fan too when they're sitting there listening and watching the post game show, and they ask about I don't know, like a second period play when they might have been on the ice too long and didn't go for a quicker change. Instead of getting the answer like, oh, yeah, I was just trying to help out the guys, just trying to pick up my man, be like, yeah, no, I got mixed up. I didn't see the communication. I didn't see that guy come off the bench, and I was trying to go, but the puck was too close. Like, if they dive more in depth with it, I think fans would appreciate it. That's true. That's a have, good, that's a, that is a good point. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew, but um, why – if a guy doesn't want to be there, though, why – make him go out there and and answer questions and stuff like that. I mean, like you said, and I agree with you, I think that if a guy knows how to do that sort of – if a player knows how to do that the right way, it can hugely, hugely benefit them. Um, But if that's not something they're concerned with, and even with social media, I mean, if they are really that, you know, determined to – say something or be more personable they can reach out to fans very easily directly so if somebody doesn't want to be there even if they were maybe the focal point of the game that we just happened why why force them to be there yeah that's like very said, true i feel like you're you're just going to get those like very generic answers and stuff yeah that is true and it's a super like uh emotional like job not i don't like obviously we're not out there throwing the football 80 yards trying to win a national championship. That's not our job. That's Josh Allen's. So then when he has a tough game and now reporters are hammering him, like, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Like, you kind of sucked. Like, yeah, that that hurts a little bit, and that's why he doesn't want to be there. But it's kind of a part of the job. You're getting paid millions of dollars to throw around a pigskin. Yeah, exactly. 
Right. Yeah. And it's the I best mean, of both it's worlds. Part of holding the if he goes out there and gets yeah. 300 yards and seven touchdowns, he's amped. He'll talk to anybody about anything and have the greatest quotes. But if he goes out there and gets smacked like he did yesterday, he's not going to want to talk to anybody. But you, you have to, both sides of the coin. Right. So is I there that... a way, um, Eric, when, the, when, the, when you know, a guy does have kind of a, a poor game or – you know, you can tell they kind of aren't really that interested in, in talking to anybody. Is there any kind of uh, tools that you as a broadcaster have that can kind of get them to open up a little more in those situations? Um, Like, I haven't been in too many post-game scrums where I'm personally asking a question in a very heated situation. But when I would do, like, a pregame interview and these guys are kind of just trying to focus on the game and get ready for it, and I'm just kind of being like a little bit of a pest, being like, hey, can I get this interview? I would kind of start off with something a little bit like light and happy to get them wanting to talk about it, especially if it was a good play by them that they made a couple of days ago. And then from there, you can kind of ask more game questions, like what do you think about this matchup? How do you expect to go against this pitcher, even though he's coming off of this type of game? So if you kind of start with something that they enjoy, they get into it, they'll talk more about it. But if you come right off the bat kind of with a condescending question or in a negative context, they're going to be put off instantly. That interview will last 30 seconds and it'll be done. So it's just kind of per- like right. player management, I guess. Just talking to people. Got to be nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like sports in general is such a huge industry that some – people who are just fans watching can sort of start to see, you know, these superstars like LeBron James or whoever as commodities, as products. So if you want to do what you're doing, you it's, you know, it seems so basic, but probably I imagine a lot of people forget it. Like you got to treat these guys like people, you know? Right. Yeah. Everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes, especially yeah. at their job. But I don't know. You got to just go with the flow. Matthew, did you have something to say? I know I cut you off there a couple yeah. times. But... Yeah, no, that's all right. I had it. well, just, I don't remember exactly what I was thinking the one part, but I did have a question. But I also want, I wanted to back up just a little bit to the conversation about kind of opening, opening players up to those interviews. Like when you watch, and I know I'm biased towards this and I talk about it all the time, when you watch a hockey player kind of talk in an interview and say like, oh, you know, like talk the way they do, you know, if you watch any hockey interview, they all sound the same, especially intermission, stuff like that. Those interviews, they're all identical. Right. And compared to as when you talk to a basketball player, like a LeBron or somebody, and they do speak more from an individual standpoint, do you think that that does have an effect on the locker room though? Because I often think that when you see people talk and they speak more team related, that's when they're more vague. Right. And I understand that the big, like the, the big um, clickbait or like the, you want to get people, you want to get them to say something that's going to make people want to read it. Right. But at the same time, especially being like a broad, so say you were broadcasting in Buffalo, it's your home team. You want those teams to succeed as to succeed as well. So you don't want to push those guys to the buttons that's going to create other issues. So then does it become almost, and I don't know if you experience this at all because the Bisons are a little bit more on the fence as far as they, they are a minor league baseball team. They're not a major sports team 
in Buffalo that people really are diehard fans of necessarily compared to the Bills and the Sabres. So I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but I'm just trying to kind of think of the way I want to ask this. Do you think that it's more difficult to have less bias when you're doing stuff with, say, the Bills or the Sabres because you are more okay with getting that team-built answer compared to trying to get them to say something that might create internal problems? And on top of that, do you think that, because you talked about how they're told what to say, which they they pretty much are, or they're at least told, whether it be by the team or by their agents, don't sound like a douchebag. Like, I know you want to open them up, but I feel like from the sports perspective, that's kind of benefits the game as much as it doesn't benefit the industry that you're in. What do you think about so that? So you're saying I, I want to get that that almost like clickbait title, but I don't want it to affect the locker room because yeah, I care I, about I, them winning? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a line you just have to kind of tiptoe, but also that falls on my job responsibility. Like, I need those answers. I have to ask the questions. As soon as you become yeah. a reporter, no matter what city you're in, no matter what for what team, you're not so much that fan anymore. So say I did start working for the yeah, Sabres next job. season, like that, which would be awesome. I wouldn't be that Buffalo kid, that diehard Sabres fan, used to go all their games. It's like, no, now I'm a Buffalo Sabres reporter. And I think Mike Harrington does a great job at doing it. He has some really tough, hard-hitting questions that uh, a little while ago, I think it was last season, like Reinhardt kind of pulled up a little bit, um, back-checking, and the Sabres kind of lost in the last couple of seconds of the third period. Yeah, I know the exact – yeah, I know the exact – And you have to ask him. You have to be like, Reinhardt, why would you slow down? Yeah. And that was the most yeah. awkward post-game I, um, interview to Mike listen Harrington to. Mike Harrington is one of those people – yeah, Mike Harrington is one of those people that I've actually uh, – I've, I've had a little bit of Twitter beef in my day with him. I don't always agree with his takes, but I do think he does a good job of covering the Sabres. He definitely doesn't um, doesn't let anything go unnoticed. So speaking of that, um, what do you think about the whole table? Well, that's unbelievable. Like, what other guy can we pick up that's going to almost guarantee us 40 points? If we don't pick up Taylor Hall right now, we're going to need his 40 points dispersed amongst probably three or four players, and that's going to be bottom six. He's still at top six forward. Yeah. Um, without a doubt, he was the first overall pick, and I think that and Eric Stahl he, as well. Yeah, I mean point Crazy. production alone, but I think that he was by far the biggest free agent to be signed by a different team. I mean, there's a couple guys who were restricted that went back to where they were supposed to be. I think in Tampa too, they had a few big names that they locked up again. But what it so because there's it's all positive feedback from the fact that. Everybody is happy that they signed this top six forward. But the two things that I'm seeing are people not understanding the contract as well as people saying, oh, my gosh, well, this doesn't make the Sabres that much better. So I know how I feel about it. But, what, like, just to start with the contract, like, what do you think of one year, one year, $8 million? Like, it's a lot of money, honestly, but you have to pay him. Like, he's Taylor Hall. He's going to contribute. He's going to yeah. produce for your team. And one year is perfect. He can kind of be here, see if he likes it. And this is just a one-year test trial. Like everyone keeps saying about Jack Eichel and if he's going to request a trade. If we don't make playoffs this upcoming year or the following year, I think he might start to pull the chain a little bit and be like, let me go, let me go. But if Hall comes in here, stalls here, and we make playoffs, say we get bounced first or second round, but great team chemistry. The locker room's feeling great. The city's buzzing. Every time that they go out, someone's buying them like a Tim Hortons coffee. Like they feel good about being here. I think Hall might sign to a three- or four-year deal. It might not be crazy long, like six or eight years. It might be like three or four, but I'm okay with that. And I think he yeah. will contribute. People are like, oh, like, yeah, he's good, but he's not going to 
bring us to the playoffs. Like, I think he will. We missed the 2014 by less than a point. We have Taylor Hall. We're probably in there, like, marginally and not just being pushed out. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree that – well, I mean, I agree that I like the one year. I don't mind the $8 million because it's money that we had yeah. to spend, right? And it's not long-term, so if it doesn't pan out, there's no downfall, right? right? You're, you're making a push to make your team better. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You look at that plus the relationship that he already has with Ralph Kruger from Ralph Kruger's time in Edmonton, and he was very vocal about that when saying that's one of the big reasons he decided to come to the Sabres was, one, his relationship with Ralph – as well as the fact that he'll have the opportunity to play with Jack Eichel. My thing about the future contracts is you see a tendency that the Sabres have to overpay after one good season, right? We saw it with Jeff Skinner. And I'm not saying that Jeff Skinner's down and out by any means. Jeff Skinner's a hell of a hockey player, and I think that he will have a better season this year than he did last year. I think it was a little bit of a combination between he was no longer playing on that line with Jack Eichel, he had just gotten paid, he had to produce, and when he didn't find it early, he started to struggle, which happens with professional athletes. And also, a guy like Taylor Hall takes a little bit off of a guy like Jeff Skinner's slate. Here, My thing with what's going to happen next is, like I said, we have a tendency to overpay. Taylor Hall's 28 right now, so give it another year, he'll just be on 30. There's a, there's a tendency, and the salary cap's going to go mm-hmm. up more than likely. So there's a tendency for players to want that long-term deal that seven that six seven eight if you're re-signing with the same team year deal once you hit that 30 mark because if you sign a four-year say he signs a four-year deal and then he's 33 34 and yeah he's got money in the bank but he probably doesn't want to be done playing and then another a, a team's not going to offer that kind of money to somebody of that age so I'm curious. I hope he has success because I wanted to make the Sabres better. But I'm curious to see what happens after that success. Because if the Sabres give him a long contract, are, is it going to be just with the with the idea that they're going to end up buying him out in the end? And I don't. I just feel like the Sabres, as much as I love the move, I feel like it's going to put him in a sticky spot because he's either good, like. I don't know. I, I like I said. I'd like to see him do good, and if they got to pay him, they got to pay him. But I don't want it to ever backfire. Yeah. But um, we can get away toward. We can get away from uh, the hockey aspect a little bit from the playing side. There was a couple things I wanted to bring up here before we start to get into uh, some stuff like the Who Would Win of the Week, Andy. Um, so a lot of times when we have guests on PO, guests that either I know or Andy know, we like to talk about kind of their relationship mm-hmm. and how they know each other. And there's one story that I will never f- – like that. Like was I think it was one of the very first times I've met you off the ice, and we were all hanging out. Um, at a house down by Canisius, and f- there was the opportunity that somebody was going to try and shave your oh. head. And I remember just the sheer panic of you being like, I can't have my head shaved. I have to stand in front of a camera for yeah. an internship tomorrow or the next day. Like, I can't have a racing stripe of no hair down the yeah. of my head. And it was quite the, uh, it, was, it was quite the back and forth, but one of the most, you know, not that it wasn't true, but the creative ways to get out of um, having somebody come up to you and shave your head. You're always safe from now on because I would never do that to somebody knowing that it would affect their uh, – Yeah, that was career. a tough one. That was a but, shell um, shock. I was like, oh, boy, like how am I, how am I kind of yeah. getting out of this one? Because I didn't want to like kind of like whimper out of it. Yeah. But it's like, dude, I have to like – people have to kind of look at me tomorrow. Yeah. And then nobody <laughs> believed me too because I was just like a random freshman just hanging out with the guys. And they're like – 
what are you talking about? You're going to be on TV. Like, shut up. Yeah. This is going to happen. And they're like, yeah. no, wait, wait, wait. So I pulled up my Instagram. I just showed them like one quick, like little photo of me working like behind a camera or something. And they're like, all right. And I can see that all their heads are combining to come up with this idea. They're like, nobody sees the back of your head. Let's shave the back. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 there's no loopholes here. Like it's, it's nothing, nothing's happening. But yeah, that was a good one. And actually I was thinking about it on my way over here, setting this up. Uh, freshman year was a crazy year for me, especially playing for this team because I just recently graduated from St. Francis and I was playing like Federation hockey, so just varsity fed. And my first ever college game for Canisius was against back-to-back national defending champion Adrian. And I'm facing shots from kids that are just like normal, regular people. And I'm facing all these like former junior players that are just coming down the wing so fast, so incredibly fast. And Canada is one of the defensive partners out there i don't even know what time it was but i know it was in the first period and it was the first goal that i gave up and i think he's on the left uh defense he's the kid's coming down the right wing he puts it between our other defenseman's legs picks up the other side he's below the circle right above the goal line and rips it like right next to my ear next to my head bar down i swear to god there's only a one by three inch spot for this puck to fit and i get up and i'm like trying to compose myself and canada skates by and he's like what are you going to do? That was a nice shot, man. And it like, literally, it made me feel <laughs> so good. I was like, you know what? That was a good shot. <laughs> that wasn't on me. <laughs> Dude, I, like, that was that was probably, to this day, one of the best hockey teams I've ever played. I don't remember that exact play, but I, I remember I remember a few of them. And, I, and, like, I am very competitive, but I also have fun when I'm right. competing, right? Like, that's because I love to do it. Um yeah, I remember I, I said a few things that day that I'm just like, man, because like, you know, like it was a good hockey team and and like you know like there like there's guys that hold their own out there and then there 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 was definitely some guys that um that didn't but it not, goaltending wasn't the difference in that hockey. <laughs> that was game. a crazy and, game and Adrian and, knew what uh, they were doing. They scheduled alumni weekend, oh homecoming God, weekend yeah. while we were there playing. They're like, all right, let's let's run through this team. Yeah. But it was fun. It was, it fun. was like uh, it, <laughs> was, it, it was virtually like it, it was like you know how in the longest yard, um, Paul Crew tells the the warden like, yeah, well, what we used to do in college was just like play the shittiest team we could find the first week every year and like kick their ass and then build confidence. Adrian was like, yeah, if you guys come down here, like, um, you know, like there's going to be a lot of fans. Like you guys will play like Friday, Saturday games. And like, you guys, you know, get some good, like, I think it was our first game. Yes, of the season, it was not, wasn't it? It was our the first weekend game? of the season and the first game I've ever played for a college career. <laughs> Just got smoked. Yeah. We got yeah. fucked. They were, uh, they were very good. I remember, um, <laughs> I remember, uh, a guy on their team saying to me, and like, I was just shooting the shit with him. I think it was even after the game, like, uh, and he goes, um, he was like, yo, like, I'm not like trying to be offensive, but he's like, why, why did you guys, uh, why did you guys want to come down here and play us? And I looked at him, I said, dude, you think that we looked at our schedule and you think that we scheduled this game? Like, like. I know, like, they say, like, any given Sunday, like, if you go into a game with a negative mindset, like, you're obviously going to lose. And we definitely went in knowing we're probably going to lose. And I don't do that often. But we could have played that team a hundred times. We would have lost. Yeah, this wasn't any miracle where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll win that 99th That was the first time I've ever actually taken a picture in a hockey game doing a ceremonial face-off. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I was on their website 
taking the ceremonial face-off probably with a uh, title of the article underneath it, like, Adrian runs away with opening weekend with back-to-back 8-1 to wins over Kanish. We were in there for a minute. So my, my the biggest uh, highlight was leaving that first period only down one nothing, And I, I was so pumped. I was like, all right, that one goal wasn't on me. Like, let's go. Second period, yeah. I got floored on it. It was like five quick goals in two minutes. It's like, all right, there goes my night. And it was obviously a uh, homecoming and alumni weekend. And they have, like, this bar that hangs over, like, our benches. Oh, so they're like yeah, looking down on most, top. This is a, yeah. And I'm skiing past the bench and my night's done. And oh, I still hear that stuff in my dreams when I'm falling asleep. They're just yeah. letting me hear it. They, uh, but it was cool. It was a fun trip. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Oh, it was awesome. Andy, I don't know if I've ever really explained this too. So think of like a like a hockey bench, right? So you have mm-hmm. a bench. And then it was it was like a, a three-quarter bowl, their stadium. So seats all the way around three quarters. But then right behind the benches, above the benches. So probably from the top of your head, six feet from the top of my head while I'm standing on the bench, is a bar that overhangs, like that looks right out over the ice, no glass or anything. And it was dollar beer night. And so there's just a bunch of college-age kids watching their home team kick our asses, and they're standing directly on top of us. Like not a six-foot difference, but it's up and down. It's not like they're six feet behind us. There's no glass. There's no nothing. So you can hear everything that they're saying. And they were just absolutely – and they were drunk. I remember so specifically, we still say it all the time, like some of the guys that heard it. There was this kid, had to be hammered. I would have rather been him at the time, up up watching the game than playing in the game. And he, uh, he yells, hey, coach, where'd you get your suit? The toilet store? <laughs> and, like, the whole bar dies laughing. Like, stupid joke, right? But the yeah. whole bar dies laughing. Like everybody's like, ah, oh my God. like four or five, four or five seconds, four or five seconds go by. The kid next to him yells, "Hey, coach, where'd you get your team? Toilet <laughs> store!" And the bar erupts in laughter, and we're sitting there like, "Holy <laughs> fuck, dude!" Like we're here. It's Friday. We have to sleep in a hotel. Wake up keep ourselves busy all day Saturday, play again Saturday night, and then drive home from Adrian, Michigan overnight Saturday. Like, just not a situation that you wanted to be in. Um, That's brutal. What a terrible idea. Like, it's not a terrible idea, but... That was my... No, uh, that's a terrible idea to put that bar there. What a terrible experience. It's an awesome... Like you guys... I wish every home rink I ever had. Yeah, if you're the visiting team, you're you're the home team. Those kids were living. Those kids were living. (laughs) There was a kid on our team who wore like a built-in neck guard, and during the national anthem, he's standing on the blue line. He got the he got the nod to start the game, and there's a kid up. There's a kid in the bar already. Coach. Are you fucking kidding me? You started that kid. He's got a neck guard on. You got to get that kid off the ice. Like screaming just, it was nonstop. 60 minutes of just absolute hell. You're just like, you're just trying to smile. You're just like, dude, whatever. Like I'm get like, I get, I'm I'm playing hockey right now. I could be doing worse things. Like just try to enjoy it, I guess. But, um, Peel before, again, before we get into the who would have been a weekend, this is also Andy, not to keep going, but I just wanted to, is there any, specific story that you could think of from your time whether it be from from freshman year to now that you're in your senior year um it could be on the road on the bus at the rink it could be at the house any any like good story that you could think of that like like just like based on kind of like i don't know like 
how much fun we used to have as a team and stuff like that that I don't know Andy or the people listening might be interested uh-huh. in whether it involves me or just all the guys or and I know that puts a lot of people on the spot but yeah. we like to you know get a little back I sometimes. like playing for Canisius the best moments have been hanging out with the guys like by far like the team is just awesome um especially when you guys had your house over there on Hughes like that was the place to be no matter what time of the day but um yeah a lot of like my good stories kind of come from like freshman year because that that team was just something else. Like we had some characters that just made it fun to yeah, be there. Yeah, because we still had and yeah, because I mean we had like Yasu, uh, my old goalie partner, Connor Hasley was still there. Like all the seniors, Stan Paolo, like oh, it was a great team. Berkey, Berkey yeah. yeah. Um, so it was kind of more of a shell shock because I wasn't really around that type of situation, especially in high school. Like we didn't take too many bus trips, if any, and. Uh, coming out of the restaurant on one of the, I think it's still like that same Adrian trip. I'm coming out of the restaurant, just all nonchalant. Like, Oh yeah, that's a pretty good meal. Like pretty full. Like, what do I really want to do now? Like go back to the hotel, take a nap. And I just feel like a little tap on my shoulder. Like, Hey, you're it. And I'm like, what? I turn around. I look at the entire team. <laughs> They're gone, gone. I'm not even joking. I was standing there. They're all within like arm distance instantly within a blink of an eye, 20 feet away from me running full sprint to the bus i was like what am i doing like do i go tag somebody like replaying tag and then i was just like so i start hauling ass i find the closest person to me i think it was like McCune or somebody and i tag him like tag you're it and i'm just still running like a chicken with his head cut off like i don't know where to go and then all the seniors like touch the boss touch the boss so finally i put my hand on the boss and i was like can somebody explain this to me please and then Biddle was, I think, the last one coming out of the restaurant because he had stopped to use the bathroom. And McCune just yeah, waited yeah, for him, just yeah. lurking around the corner of the bus. Got him oh real God. quick, touched the bus, and then Biddle had to sing the national anthem in front of everybody. But that was – they were all just great stories. That one will always stick with me. But the team was fantastic. Yeah. I think that's not the first bus tag story told on the podcast. You knew about bus tag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, yeah. We've talked about just like the I fact think we, that uh, it exists. I think we talked about bus tag with, uh, with Yoakum a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With oh, yeah. No, it might have been with Ian because Ian has a pretty funny video of me singing karaoke on the <laughs> bus. But I don't need uh, I don't need to be tagged to sing karaoke yeah. on the bus. I won't lose tag, but I would. I'll sing anyway. If some, if, if it, if it. You know, if you got to get the boys going, you got to get the yeah. boys going. You and Durkee um, always used to belt them out in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've definitely we've definitely sung a song or two. Um, but yeah, I just I just love talking about like stories like that and just that group of guys. I mean, yeah. every guy that I've played hockey with at Canisius really is still. Uh, it's been, you know, a lot of times like people as they get older talk about how they like fall out of love with the game, right? Like it just becomes more of more of a job and stuff like that. And I think that like, I, I've definitely, I definitely know the feeling, but playing on this team at Canisius, um, through ups and downs. And as much as I, I, I do like to win. And, and there's been times where we've struggled with that, but my God, it's been so fun. It, it, it just makes me never want to stop. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like a lot um, of people kind of lose that. Like you're saying that passion, that drive for it, especially a lot of players lose it in high school. And, uh, the only goal I really had was like, let's play some college hockey. I'll obviously foot the bill for it. Cause this is like my fun having, and it just kind of shows like my parents for dedicating all the money and time that they did drive me to the rink at six in the morning when they're super tired. It's like, no, like I did enjoy this sport. It wasn't just like a quick little seven year run. Like I'm now putting in my own time and yeah. energy to it. 
Yeah, and Andy can attest to that because he spent a lot of miserable weekends in places that he didn't yeah. want to be in growing it up. It comes yeah. back to the family. Um, it really is very true. You need a good support system. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how about uh, we jump in a little who would win of the week, Andy? How do you think? How do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, let's do it. I want to I want to talk to about this one like pretty badly, and I think we should mention the honorable mention, but we don't have to right away. Uh, but why don't why don't yeah, you go ahead and set it up though, Matthew? Um, I didn't remember who we're doing. <laughs> Don Cherry. Oh and yeah, 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 Harry Carey. Two of the yeah, 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 biggest yeah, okay. personalities, I would say, I forgot in about Harry sports Kerry. announcing um, in recent years. Um, like, if I know who Don Cherry is, then he's then he's a personality. You know what I mean? And obviously, Harry yeah. Carey. Yeah, two great guys. Uh, um, it's funny that you. It's it's yeah. it's funny that you referred to it as recent years, though, because. If my research is well, it's not. Up, yeah, I mean, not recent years, but just passed away ever, ever. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He died in February of of uh, 1998. Um, God would not yeah, forgotten so before I was born. No, never, never will be. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of things to say right off the bat. Two, as of always, this is a fight. Don't forget. Um, but a big yeah. part of that always comes charisma, and the because you don't see these guys really fight. Um, cause they're broadcasters. And also I want to say that this is prime Don Cherry prime, mm-hmm. um, like hockey night in Canada, Saturday night, like you're watching a fuzzy half color TV screen. Like when he's first bringing out these colorful suits and, and he's youthful and just going absolutely apeshit every night, saying whatever he wants without any repercussion. So that's, uh, that's the Don Cherry I'd like to focus on here. Um, but, uh. I don't know. You want to start us off, Pio, Andy? Who 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 wants to take the first crack at it? Uh, let me jump in if you don't mind. Um, sure. I'll 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 go st- straight up. Um, I am gonna go with Harry Carey in this yeah, one. Uh, a few we, that, weeks that's ago, that's the most predictable thing ever. Before Andrew even gives an argument. I can tell you right now. Oh my God! It because doesn't matter that it's predictable. Who I'm it doesn't pick, matter if it's he predictable. Thinks, it's he because he knows it's correct. Who I'm gonna pick. So he. I don't care, person. Matthew. Matthew, this might come because as a surprise this, like, to you. This might come complex. as a surprise to you, Matthew. I don't base everything I do off of what you think. You I could not. Do. Give, I do not <laughs> give a shit do. who you're gonna pick. I'm picking Harry Carey because I know who that's gonna because he's gonna win this this fight. Now, a few weeks ago, we. Did uh, uh, Battle of the Rons, uh, Ron Swanson, yes. Burgundy, Ronald Reagan. And part of the discussion uh, with all three of those guys is that they kind of had that like old school, like glass of scotch and slug them, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Maybe they weren't the red most meat. fit yeah. guys. Yes, but Maybe they were like stogie. red meat kind of, you know, like, yeah. like old school tough. And that's what uh, Harry Carey is, um, in my opinion. I think that um, even though when he, because I'm going to say like this is, this is prime Harry Carey in my opinion is Cubs Harry Carey. He started working with the Cubs in '81, so he's already you know pretty old, but he's still got something, okay. And like when he really like let himself loose, I mean, there's no stopping this guy. Um, I don't think that he would, like, as soon as Don Cherry stepped to him, 
he'd be he'd be all in. He'd be like, okay, if you want if you want a if you want a piece of the old Cracker Jacks, then you know here's your prize. Bop pop pop. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, but you know what I mean. No, uh, kind of going off of that, I I totally agree. They're kind of just two like old gritty guys. But everyone like Canada, you might be uh, or Matt, you might be picking uh, Don Cherry possibly, but because he's just like a a grinder, especially when he played. But Harry Carey, don't sleep on those glasses, those thick Coke bottle glasses. He sees them coming in. If he can slip one hard <laughs> jab and just connect, Don might be down. He might be uh, counting his sheep. That's what I'm saying. He's got fists like rock. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me let me let me hit you guys with a little bit of knowledge and screw <laughs> your heads back on straight. <laughs> Don Cherry played. He he coached, and he obviously did. Hockey Night in Canada. So I've heard stories, a lot of stories, through other podcasts, through the internet, all this stuff, about him in his hockey days before he was broadcasting. And I've listened to him broadcast a million times. Hockey as a sport has been making this big push towards not making people's brains mush when, when they <laughs> retire, honestly. like It's a very become like health-conscious point where they understand that when stuff happens in these games that they're allowing to happen, it has long-term consequences on their players and their bottom line being player safety because they need these guys to play and have long careers and maintain their level of athleticism and keep their sport alive, right? They want people to watch, but they want to do that through skill now rather than physicality because of those long-term effects. Don Cherry, up until he stopped, um, broadcasting was one of the only like hockey media people that would still just stand in there and be like just fuck people up like i mean he he understood the rules and he knew that where players had to draw the line but if it was even slightly in the gray area don cherry was loving it he loved old school hockey he loved fighting he loved hey dude i'd go as far as to say he's he might love concussions (laughs) like he might love when That's people fair. Get That's severely fair. injured. Um, I heard a story. Um, I have to do a little bit of um, previous research real quick before I tell this story. But okay. I want to hear Andy or PL if you guys can come up with an, like one good reason as to why Harry Carey would win this fight from. Outside of the fact that he's this manly man, oh, because sure. that's all I've heard. I have no let evidence me, to support that so me, far. And I'm not very familiar with his – outside of the fact that I know he was a baseball announcer and he was fairly charismatic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't oh, know. Fairly charismatic is an understatement. Him. Yeah. Harry Carey, for one thing, did not give a fuck. Here's a pretty well-known, like – thing I think that Harry Carey said one time, but one of my favorite like Harry Carey quotes. I don't remember exactly the instance, um, but you know it was a Cubs game, and Cubs were up at bat, and the ump called a strike, and Harry Carey goes, if that was a strike, then I'm a Chinaman. And this was in the like mid-90s, I want to say, so you already like could not say stuff like that. But Harry Carey was a nut job. He just did not give a fuck. Here's another thing I think that you can appreciate, Matthew. Baseball, um, as a sport as a whole, I feel like, you know, drinking and kind of not necessarily taking care of yourself in the best way is 
something that uh, goes along with that sport, and people have been able to do that and still be very successful uh, in Major League Baseball. Wade Boggs, obviously, uh, drinking 107 beers in a day. Um, Harry Carey uh, went on, what is this, Um, 288 days of uninterrupted drinking. That's the longest bender that I think I've ever heard of, outside maybe like Keith Richards. So Harry I Carey, think I know several people that have been on a longer bender, so that doesn't even impress me. <laughs> that does a 288 days does not impress you. I I could I, do it. I, I hear like you. I'm not I think that. What's that? He said Wade. Bo- he said it's like Wade Boggs. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Um, so I think that that just kind of tells you that Harry Harry Carey. Um, he can he can hack it. He can hack it with the best of them. And obviously, if he does some you know stuff like that to his body and can can keep going for like years after that, I mean, yeah, he's, he's been not through a guy the ringer. He's with. slugging that many. Mm-hmm. So I heard a story once, and nobody fact checked it <laughs> because I don't know. I'll just go by your word on this one. <laughs> yeah, um, but I did a little research. So he was coaching. Don Cherry was coaching an OHL, the OHL team in Mississauga in the 2001-2002 season. And I heard a story that, and a lot of times in a lot of training camps for hockey, and I believe this was the season that this took place, um, there's like a, they say no fighting. Like no fighting in training camp, right? No fighting when there's guys trying to make the team. You don't want people getting hurt, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of these guys at the time coming up through, really until within the past probably eight years a lot of guys make their career by fighting right so they were like well how am I going to make this team if I don't fight so they do it anyway so Don Cherry was coaching this team in Mississauga and he there was a rule for the camp no fighting so first day of camp goes by like the 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 team scrimmages they um and there was not a single fight (laughs) and the next day Don Cherry called the captains of the team into the locker room and pretty much told them, like, if somebody doesn't fight in this game, like, I'm just going to cut everybody and sell the team. <laughs> Virtually, like, is what he's saying. And the training camp that day started with, like, I think it was, like, nine or ten straight fights, like, without the puck even being touched. Like, puck drop fight, puck drop fight, puck drop fight. People were just looking who jumped on the ice. If it was a guy their size, didn't matter the position, they were jumping out, lining up next to him, and they were ready to throw just to impress him. That's tough as nails. If you want to see, if you, like, he, I got I got another stat for you. The guy's willing to scrap Um, his own team if the captains don't tell everyone to drop Like, a couple couple (laughs) stats. When he was, like, when he was playing in the AHL, um, 70 games played, 118 penalty minutes, 64 games played, 197 penalty minutes, 70 games played, 106 penalty minutes. Like until the, almost the very end of his year, like of his career, as he started to get older in the late sixties, early seventies, like the dude was fighting or not even necessarily fighting, but the dude was not playing any type of soft hockey. The dude was just out there doing whatever he could to win. And that is a time where hockey is not an easy sport to be played. Those dudes were beating the fucking mm-hmm. piss out of each other, night in and night out, knowing it was going to happen, and they still wanted to go out there and do it. So you're telling me that 
this fucking this fucking guy, baseball guy, <laughs> is gonna come in and kick Don Cherry's ass. It's it's a little here's bullshit. what I, here's what I am telling you. Here's what Don I am Cherry telling would you. do it. Don Cherry would do it in the most creative oh three piece suit you'd ever seen, and then he'd do a quick <laughs> brush off, fix his pocket square, and he'd walk away like it never happened. <laughs> here's what I am telling you: that a guy like Harry Carey is in no way going to be intimidated by that. And with all of that experience that Don Cherry had comes hubris. And as we all know, that's exactly what comes. Pride cometh the before the mean? fall. And that's exactly what would happen in this fight. Harry Carey would not be diminished. Don Cherry coming in there hot. He's a hot guy. He's a hot-headed guy. And I'm no, not he's not coming in Harry there hot, Carey's though. Hot. He knows what he's doing. He's coming in there. Dude, sure he's he coming in there doing. and feeding Harry Carey, he's feeding. But that's him. what you think, and that's what he thinks. So he's gonna come in there and be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna annihilate this guy." And okay, then Harry there, Carey no, there's a difference dodges between, and weaves and, you, yes, and ducks and when you away. Have a guy, yes, there's when a, when you big have a guy like Harry cockiness Carey, and confidence. For better or for worse, huge difference between cocky and confident. Right, cocky that's true. would be if you walked in there throwing Conor McGregor at him. Don Cherry's walking in there dressed to the nines, confident, like, dude, I've fought way tougher guys than this fucking baseball schmuck. I'm going to go in there, I'm going to beat the shit out of him, and I'm going to go have a nice steak dinner. And yeah, then you're I'm going to announce a hockey game. You're kind of putting my point. Then I'm going to do coach's like, he is corner. Gonna come in there, you know, thinking that no, he's, he's going to come in there, there confident. Easy. Here's the thing. Okay. Harry Carey, not going to be intimidated by that. That guy, Harry Carey, is crazy enough where he's never going to know when, to, when enough is enough. He's never going to know when to quit. And so because of that, he's never going to. And I think Unless in the end... Don Cherry hits him with the one-two and he's laying flat on his back. That's not, that's not going to knock Harry Carey down, though, is what I'm telling you. Harry how Carey... Do you know? Have you ever been punched by Don Cherry? Have you ever no, been punched by Don Cherry? No, but I'm looking at you both how, of these guys and I'm telling you that that's what's going on. All right, I, I, you guys are underestimating those you're, glasses, you're up man. The stats, glasses huh? just give him X-ray vision. He's seen those punches coming from a mile away. <laughs> just counter one the of them with those things. Yeah, yeah, counter one of those, <laughs> land it right on the jaw of Don, and I don't know, man. It's a thing. This guy is like old school, and Don Cherry's coming in. He's like, oh, you know, listen up, listen up, fella. Yeah, like I'm gonna. Most of Cherry's fights are on skates. Maybe uh, being on the feet is a disadvantage for him. Who knows? Oh my <laughs> God, Theo. That's just the like most ridiculous comment. You don't know. Like Theo, That's not are you, kidding? you think it's consider. more difficult to fight on, on hard, solid ground than it is on it's ice so skates? It's so different. Come no, on. No, 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 you play hockey. But it's different. Dude, it's, it's different. different. It's, it's, yeah, okay, so you're telling me if he has the ability to keep his balance – on the ice, he wouldn't have the ability to say, dude, he punches. I don't think there's a direct translation. I'm not saying balance. He's going to grab on to like the jersey, like a normal like hockey fight and kind of like push and pull and knock him off his edges. When you're on mm. on the street, you're not grabbing on the guy's shoulder and like locking in, like circling around in 360s. Like both of you are just kind of squaring up. Maybe a kick gets thrown. Someone slips, maybe like a punch misses. The guy can move around you a lot easier. Like you're not falling on the edges. And it's not the stereotypical I'm hockey t- fight where like you hold on to the guy's sweater. I'm telling you, anybody who was a anybody who was a successful hockey fighter could be a bare knuckle brawler. The amount of leg strength they have, like they're ba- like yo, they are so centered, they are so in control of their body. If you are good enough to skate at an NHL level, even if you're a fighter, you have such good body control and and like 
And on top of that, you can step into a punch on the ground way harder than you can on ice skates because if you overcommit to a punch on ice skates, you're, you're going to fall down. When you're on the ground, Don Cherry takes a step, catches him right across the chin. I just looked because it's usually my a big thing oh, that I boy. focus on. They're about the same height. They're, okay. they're, um, they're an inch apart. Don Cherry's actually 5'11", oh, and Harry Carey's about, about that. So they're, they're about okay. the same size. Yeah, with ice, size you can dig into it. Like, goes. when you're pushing for a stride, you can push into a punch. It's almost like a Superman punch. But when you're on, on land, I that's will, just driving I mean, you see muscle. the Superman yeah. punch. But not when you're locked up with somebody and they're giving – like, I think you're underestimating how difficult it is. Dude, it's way more difficult to fight on skates yeah, than no, it is I on agree. land. Without I agree in that. But it's completely yeah. different. Yeah. So how – I know, but so you're but you're saying that that's gonna throw him. It's not gonna throw him off. It's only gonna make it's him not a gonna throw fighter. him off. But it's gonna be different because like he's not fighting the same yeah, style. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. And say okay, that it and another translates. big part of street. Okay, another big part of street fighting. This is something that I've never brought up when we've done like athletes versus non-athletes before. Is that Don Cherry being an athlete obviously has like foot like decent footwork, yeah. right? Like he he can move. How do I know that Harry – dude, Harry Carey might be Harry stuck Carey's in money. Harry Carey's got that – You know what Harry Carey's got? Yeah. Just getting his and shit And Harry Carey's got some weight you know to him too. Harry, He's not too nimble. He does have that weight to him. He absolutely oh does. God. And yeah. Harry Carey – And the thing is, if you're got – Listen, hold on. He's got that Mickey Mantle gene. You know what I'm saying? The Mickey Mantle gene. <laughs> He's got that Don Mickey Jerry Mantle gene. Harry Carey's one of those Mickey Mantle gene guys. And you can never I, underestimate those guys. Well, they can surprise you. How about we do this? How about we do this, Andy? What we always do. Mm-hmm. We'll lock in our answers. Okay. And at the end of the day, even though, once again, I know that I am correct, but we will let social media one. decide. Because they, I, I think I'm undefeated. I honestly, I, I honestly think I might be undefeated in who would win of the weeks on social media. I don't know if I've ever lost. Kids next door, they got blown out. Which that was that was your lock of the week. That's still one that I. They weren't even close, dude. You're talking about a group of cartoon kids versus the Ocean's Crew. They (laughs) rob casinos. So what? Whatever. That's not. That's not this fight. All right, Andy, lock in your answer, please, for the listeners. Okay, Harry Carey is going to take this fight. He can hit hard. He's got that weight, and most importantly, I think he does not know that it's a possibility for him to lose. I think that he's kind of an ignorant guy, in the, and in this sense, ignorance is not only bliss, but it's beneficial. Yeah, but Don Cherry was the same way. Obviously, you see what happened to his career. Like, he didn't give a fuck what came out oh, of Oh, come mind. on, he went there. No, that's and true. And that's though, where man. I think they're pretty evenly matched. That's where I think they're pretty evenly matched. That's a, so that's then you a take the that fact I... that Don Cherry played professional hockey in probably the most, the probably the toughest era to ever play hockey in. Okay. And then you're gonna say that you're gonna say that Harry Carey is gonna step out from behind his desk while he's calling a Cubs game and he's gonna kick his ass. Yeah, suck me, buddy. I am that's saying not that. True. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh man, I know both sides have got. Good uh, opinions here, but I gotta go, Don Cherry. I think that guy's just kind of an animal. And the thing is, is like Don isn't gonna say no. Like even if he's losing and Harry Carey is choking him out and he can't see anymore, something's deep down. Harry Carey's gonna be the same. The Canadian Don Cherry, like he's always ready. he's ready for a Donny Brook at all time, and he's gonna throw bombs. He's gonna have a good bomb. He's gonna win that fight. I'm also locking in Don Don Cherry. If you can't tell, Um, Andy. 
Listen, I don't like being wrong either, so I, I don't <laughs> want you to take that. <laughs> well, that's not yourself. something that I have to worry about, so um, I guess I feel bad for you. All right, but the answers are locked in. Don Cherry grabs two votes, um, so he won either way, but we're still going to throw it over to social media. I mm-hmm. know that my people will take care of me and keep me on my trail of success. And, Andy, I promise you you'll get it one day. I really, I really do. I'm, I, I hope the best for you. In your future, I'm right every time. I'm just gonna say it. I'm right every single time. I know that sometimes people vote differently. Andrew, you used to have a picture. You used to have a a post-it note on on your door that Uh said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right. So you continually pick losers and lose, and then try to sit here and say you win, that's insane. I'm, I, 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 that's certifiably insane. You defined it for me. I knew that as a young child because you had it on your door. Look, just because people say it on social media doesn't mean that it's correct. Now, I respect our audience. Everything, on, everything on social media is yeah, true. Everything. But I don't have to agree with, with yeah, the way that what? they vote. You're telling me that there's false information on the Internet? I just, I'll send you some links. I'll send you some links. Okay. Yeah, let me know. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I really, I really do like that. Who would win of the week? Though? That was I a good hope, one. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what social media has to yeah. say because I do think a lot of people might have some uh, some skewed opinions. It's always yeah. interesting, and um, there, uh, hopefully we don't get any political backlash based off of Don Cherry's. Oh, I wasn't um, even considering that. <laughs> insensitivity. Yeah. I don't think we will because we're talking about prime Don Cherry. We're not, yeah. and we're not talking about him as a person. We've done a lot worse people, I think, in Who Would Win. We did Danny Trejo. Sure. Danny Trejo was in jail. <laughs> yeah, but Danny Trejo's a great guy, though. Like that's that's a that's yeah, a who would get that's his whole ass kicked story. by The Rock. Fuck you! I wish we could reopen <laughs> right. that one. No, that it doesn't need to be real. P.O., you know how I brought up the height? You know who Danny Trejo is? He's like you don't know who Danny Trejo is. He's, he's a isn't he? He's he's in the um what the fuck are those movies called? Um, Machete. Spy Kids. He's the he's like the grandpa in Spy Kids. I yes, don't know he is in Spy you. Kids. Oh yeah, I um, know who that he's is. Like, he's in uh, Breaking Bad too, is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, he's a savage for sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah, savage. Yes, if you the look dude him would, up, there's would a kick a lot yeah, of people's ass. Out, but. but he would definitely fuck a lot of people up. But we had him fighting The Rock, and The Rock was what eleven inches taller than him, or some shit like that. He's done. And The Rock's a beast. And you think Dan Trejo's gonna win that? Fight? Thank you, Po. Andy, you have to. Dude, look I think at The, the stats. Rock would kill almost anyway. Gotcha. Like, uh, yes, thank oh, you. Oh, what's his name? Andre the Giant, I think, would give The Rock the closest fight. <sighs> Who would? What was it? Yeah, we. I, we and I, let me tell you something, Andre the Giant. We, I want, I have been wanting to do Andre the Giant in a Who Would Win of the Week um, on here, and I think that Andre the Giant would take down anybody. Like that guy, you hear stories you about that should, guy that are yeah. unbelievable, and you there's there's that famous picture of him obviously like holding a, a beer can, and you see how small like, it is. You guys know what I'm talking about. How small it is it's yeah. like? Jesus Christ! I don't even have anything to like compare Andy, it to. I, I think that um, you bringing that up, I think it would be really fun if it's like that. That's I got Andre a really good idea. I got a game. really Andy. I got a really good idea, um, but I'm gonna sit on it for a little okay. bit. I'm okay, okay. Sit on it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, we've been going for 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 uh, about. Almost an hour and fifteen minutes here, or so right. Oh, it's been a long one. Probably, 
Yeah, I'll probably close it out soon. But um, Andy, you got any uh, anything else that you really wanted to touch on before we get out of here? Or? I don't know. I mean, I'm just interested. I guess Eric, if you have any opinions on this, I find it kind of curious. But like, um, it seems to me that like in a time when cable and network TV are dying they're basically on their last legs with like streaming services and everything sports is like the one thing that is acting as a tentpole for traditional media like that like sports you can watch anything stream it on amazon prime netflix whatever but if you want to see your team play on sunday you still have to tune in to cbs or nbc or whoever uh, whatever broadcast network is is playing that game. Um, how long do you think that's going to last? Um, like you're saying that I can turn on like the TV and watch the Bills game? Well, I mean, like obviously there well, are here, let me, massive let me put it sports in this, contracts yeah. Yeah. involved let with, me put it, with all the TV con- stuff, yeah. but, Um I think that's yeah, going to last. Yeah. But w- when those expire... Okay. You well, think- let me chime in real quick and, p- and put it this way. So I understand what you're saying, Eddie. You're looking at it more as how long do you think it's going to last that these networks have these games until like other either like – here, let me say this. There's a big trend right now as you look as specifically in college, um, but really in all sports, especially as within the next – Less than five years, with, it, with I think by 2025, the majority of the major college conferences, their um, deals are up. NHL's deal is up after this next season, and it's already been known that ESPN is going to bid on it. Like, stuff like that. The, the NFL is constantly changing as far as they have different contracts for Sundays, Thursdays, Mondays. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um but there's this big trend in these specific broad, even like, and, and really it all started with like MSG and Yes Network and stuff like that, right? Like all of a sudden you have these niche channels that obviously in New York, they're broadcast all over, but then you see like the SEC network, even like the Pac-12, I think now has their own network. And yeah, they're, they're a big mm-hmm. conference, but like Pac-12, like, I mean, I'm not a big, don't watch that much college basketball, but Pac-12 football isn't notoriously a, one of the better, like, top five conferences or whatever in college football. So as these sports start to trend to, and then you've got, you've got the NFL network, you've got the NHL network, you've got MLB, you've got, you know what I mean? They've all got these specialized and you've got the tickets and you could watch all these games all over the place. How long do you think it's going to be? So you're working with CBS compared to working with one of these specialized networks. Is that what you're talking about, Andy? Are you looking more as TV to like online streaming and stuff like that? That's kind of what I'm talking about. I mean, what does the future for this look like? Is it the NF? When when is it going to be that it's more profitable for the NFL to uh, control the airing of all their games themselves on uh, their own type of subscription streaming platform or something? Uh, when is it going to be more profitable for them to control all of that internally and cut off these deals with these networks, which, like I said, for the networks, that's basically their last big leg that to stand on is sports. Yeah, I think uh, regular TV and cable is almost completely out the door. Like you said, sports is the last leg that's kind of keeping it alive. Like if you turn on 
on uh, Channel 4 or whatever, and you can watch the Bills game on Sundays. But I don't have cable at my house. None of my friends that I know have cable at their house. We just stream everything. So you can just find like a Reddit stream for the Bills game, and you're just watching it from there. So when it comes down to like sports reporting jobs, yeah, if you're calling the actual game with the affiliation of the teams, you'll always have those types of jobs. You always need the color commentators, the play-by-plays, right. and the pregame and postgame shows. But I, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched like the Bills pregame and postgame show. As soon as the game's done, the stream ends, I go and do my other thing, or I only turn it on until 7 when the a- actual kickoff happens. So those jobs are kind of getting depleted. And the regular local sports reporting uh, people, those jobs are depleting too. Same with like the writers for Buffalo News. Nobody's really ordering the paper anymore. Everybody gets their news on Twitter. So now you got to buy the online subscription to the Buffalo News. And if you're not turning tuning into channel 2, 4, or 7 in the morning, you're just kind of following those people along on Twitter. So it's becoming a lot more media relevant. But I'm wondering, when do you think they're going to make it almost like an a la carte type of cable where it's like they come to me and say, okay, pick whatever channels you want. I really only want NHL Network, ESPN, one news station and I don't know, Disney XD. I don't know, just some random thing in there. Like Yeah. You can only now I can only now pick whatever shows I want to watch and pay for that instead of paying for all cable and I'm not even watching a hundred of the the stations that they give me. I think that's the way it's gonna go. Is like also if one person or one company is able to make a monopoly and put Netflix, Hulu, Amazon ESPN, NFL Network, NHL Network, all together on one streaming service and you pay $100 a month and you get all of that together, I think they're just going to capitalize completely. It, it might be too much of a monopoly, though. Yeah. I know that some uh, companies, you can't own more than like three TV stations, one radio station in the same city. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I know there, that. Um, actually, that's the way like, we're going. I, like, yeah. Like, that's kind of what. Um, it's kind of what's happening right now with with the Hulu, ESPN Plus, and um, Disney Plus because you could watch. There's a you could pay right because now a, Disney a owns the majority stock of Hulu. Yeah, so you can pay for one flat subscription and get all three of those services. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting. To th- and Hulu has live sports, obviously ESPN does as well, and then Disney's got more of your your shows and movies kind of aspect. So it's interesting to think about that. Like what if you, what if a, a service came or what if a company came and created a bundle with all of these different aspects? It's, it's interesting to think about, but I don't think that it'll, unless it really comes down to the pick and choose kind of thing, I don't think that's ever plausible because there's always going to be people who don't want to pay for things that they don't watch. Like you were saying, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't have cable anymore, but at my old house had cable and given we lived, there was nine of us. But I do think that we had the highest cable bill probably in all of New York City, maybe of all time. Like, Spectrum was absolutely making bank off of us because there was nine of us. So not only did we have cable, but we had NHL, we had all we had the whole sports package. Um, we had a lot of Game of Thrones fans. So we had HBO. We had we, – we paid for every subscription that you possibly could have. It would be mm-hmm. like – probably 30 to 40 dollars a guy per month for our cable bill which was absolutely absurd but we were all just too lazy to ever go out and and cancel anything but that's why dude we didn't watch half the shit half the games we watched we streamed anyway. you know what i mean because you want to watch a game like i don't know it's it's an interesting thing and it's it's interesting to look at from both of you because andy being behind the scenes where he's working as master control 
compared to where you would be as a front of the camera, it's it affects it's the same industry, right? I mean, obviously mm-hmm. yours is more sports sports focused, and the Twitter aspect I think is interesting too because you look at guys like um, Matt Bovey is one that always comes to mind, or even Mike Harrington. Like those guys, those guys are Buffalo sports writers that really have grown a social media following because now they're pumping that content out instantly. And then once you see the update, oh, my God, Mike Harrington just tweeted that Taylor Hall is coming to the Sabres. Then the next day, if that still interests you, then you go read that article that's in the Buffalo News or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's an interesting thing to talk about, too, of how important for all everything now. Like even us, we talk about it from a podcast perspective. Like how, are you gonna, how do you want to get more people to tune in to what you're doing Oh, everybody's on their phone 24 hours a day, right? Pump shit on there. It, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. I don't know what you think about it, Andy, but um, well, there was a lot floating around and everything. Yeah, that yeah, I know. Happened. That's like we got off the. I know I get off the rails. But I can't you help know it, what? But, like to uh, well, that's exactly the thing. I mean, you know, things are moving so fast now, and. Uh, everything's changing a lot more quickly than it ever has before. Um, so it's, it's easy to get caught up in, in in all kinds of stuff. That's, that's, I mean, that's what just happened, right? Um, yeah, you're definitely not alone. It's easy to get caught up in all sides, all kinds of stuff. Um, don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Or do, or, or give it a shot. Or Um, they're not for everybody. The PSA from, uh, tuna cooler. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> don't do drugs do you unless do drugs, Danny? you think uh, they'll benefit. Yeah, you. Um, yeah. Do... <laughs> but as far as as far as streaming stands right now, I think that there's more benefit in uh, competition in the marketplace between those big three: Amazon, Netflix, and uh, Hulu. Uh, yeah. But um, whew, yeah, I'm just trying yeah. to. Well, unpack that, I know but you're um, about it yes, uh, I'm just wondering when the uh, yeah when it's going to be more beneficial to you know each each organization, each league to have their own. Uh, I mean, obviously they have their own channels and stuff, but to have basically their own streaming services where yes, you get all kinds of original content, different shows. Um, you could probably consolidate that into shows for each team. Um, my question, I guess, to you, Eric, would be: if that's where it's going, is there going to get to a point where it's more beneficial for broadcasters like yourself to familiarize themselves, like, uh, more deeply, focus basically entirely on just one sport? Yes and no, because I feel like if you focus on one sport, it's almost like same thing with an athlete. Like if you put all your eggs in one basket, it might break, and then you might lose everything. Mm-hmm. But there's also an upside to it. If you focus on one sport, you might know more people in that business compared to the other sports. You're obviously going to know a lot more information compared to the other sports, and you might be able to be an unbelievable insider because you've been around it for so many years compared to somebody that's kind of had like a hand or a finger in every single sport but doesn't know one sport all the way down to its like base details. So yes and no, if you're looking for 
the most, uh, like the highest percentage of getting a job in broadcasting. Yeah, I know every sport, obviously, because there's more teams and more leagues. But do you think that's the way it's gonna? That's the way it's gonna stay, though. I mean, because obviously, with uh, if you're trying to get a job uh, as like a local network anchor, it does help because you are gonna you have to cover every sport. Yeah. But as the leagues consolidate their uh, content, if you will, including games and stuff. Um, is the trend going to sort of start to lean the other way for broadcasters? I think so. And what will benefit? Because that? if the fans okay. are going to buy their own individual access towards that show, they're going to be like really good fans of it, obviously. So if somebody buys the NBA exclusive, they're going to want to like have that broadcaster break down uh, the play to the absolute base to show like almost like the footwork of the guy driving to the lane. But it's the same thing for any other sport. Oh. So if you are almost like a, What'd you say? It's almost like, like a t- how Tony Romo is with football, yeah. right? Like he's that's a, yeah, so, that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. So if one person's yeah. buying the individual crazy. stream, you're gonna need better broadcasters that know the sports more. But you could also look at Max Kellerman, who's now with Stephen A. Smith. That dude's a boxing guy. He came strictly from boxing, and now he's talking about right. making his opinions about the NHL go worldly, saying that nobody cares about the sport. Dude, he came yeah. from boxing. That, that's a tangent. But he was a guy that kind of came yeah. from somewhere. That's a great point. Yeah, though. like how can you talk about a sport that's irrelevant when you've got less than us and fans? People just tune in to see blood, and they don't even actually understand the nitty-gritty of the sport. But he, that's a perfect example of a guy that came from – a different sport and now he's talking about all of them together but as time progresses i think it's going to be the opposite somebody from espn is going to go back to their original sport and be a heavy insider right okay i get that yeah i can definitely see you know living in a world where those sort of general sports shows Although I will say those general sports shows, I think I don't think are they'll ever die. Though I don't think more like so than ESPN, well. Here, let me tell yeah. you, is because those general sports shows are more so personality driven than content driven. A thousand percent. And Stephen A. Smith is a perfect example. He's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Half the time he doesn't even know. Yeah. What Have you ever about. seen the the battle between Bill Stay Reagan off and A. Smith? Weed. No. So, like, Stephen A. Smith would report a lot of the boxing or MMA fights, and he did the one for Cowboy Cerrone and uh, Conor McGregor. And at the end, obviously, everybody knows McGregor knocked out Cowboy within, like, the first 10, 15 seconds, whatever it is. And at the end, Stephen A. Smith's like, yeah, we didn't see too much from Conor. He got a couple of lucky punches or uh, shoulders in there. And then Joe Rogan just tore him apart. He's like, dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. We saw everything. Nobody even knew he was going to hit him with these shoulders. Like, you just have to know what you're yeah. looking for to be able to dissect such a very detailed sport like boxing or MMA. So it kind of brings back to the point that if you're too generic, the viewers that truly care aren't going to listen to you as much as they would listen to Joe Rogan because he's been there for the past 30 years and he knows everything about it. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to go back to the individual sports. Yeah. Wow. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Man. Excellent. Well, well, Matthew, what do you say? Yeah. I think yeah, that's I think, a pretty good place think, uh, to end it on. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, Pio, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome. We always love talking sports. We got some good stories. Good who would who would win of the week. So, um, thank you very much. Of course, thank you very much for having me on here. This is this is awesome. I didn't even realize how long we were going. This is the first time I looked up at the clock. It's been a minute. 
Yeah, yeah, we get a little carried away. So we try to keep it short, but you know, sometimes it just can't yeah. help. But right. well, this um, was a fun one, and yeah, yeah, no, I had a good time. Yeah, um, thank you so Andy, much. Before you send us, yeah. Oh no, hey, listen, it was a great talk. I'm sure people are really gonna like it, and uh, I was happy to have you on, Andy. Before you uh, send us home, um, I just want to say again, thank you, Po, Andy. I love you, and also thank goodness there was no paranormal activity this week, so we kind of got away scot free. Yeah. But um, we recorded a little early uh, this Wednesday, so maybe that's right. Why so I the ghost, really, just to it is not yet the, the witching hour. Yeah, <laughs> not witching hour yet. Yeah, so all right. all right, guys. Beautiful. Okay, Matt, love you too. Eric, awesome dude. Thank you for coming on. Let's get out of here, guys. Thank of course, you. thank you.